Gracious Heavenly Father, 19 years ago today, we saw the face of evil so closely as the civilian planes became the weapons of a terrorist. Help us not only remember the tragedy of 9-11, but also realize the truth that evil is real. It's not imaginary. And help us to realize the truth that we cannot rely on military vigilance alone for our protection. But as the children of God, we need to fight the good fight in our country and all over the world with the justice and peace for everyone. Speak to us today and help us make today a better day for your kingdom than yesterday. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace, we all pray. Amen. After giving instructions for church leadership offices and slave Christian, Apostle Paul gives a final and another warning to Timothy about the false teachers and actually the apostate, the people who wandered or left the faith in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 to 10. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 to 10. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are considered and understand nothing. They have unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant frictions between people of a corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with a contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have a food and clothing, we will be, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. In this passage, we see two kinds of godliness, false godliness and true godliness. The key difference between false godliness and true godliness is a contentment. contentment. False godliness does not have a contentment, but instead of a contentment, it has a contention. Why? Because according to verse 10, false teachers have wandered from faith. That is a sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and his godly teaching. They wandered into unhealthy interests in the unfruitful controversies of unclear myth and unknown words. These false teachers use a godliness as a means to an end. To them, godliness is actually pretext for their greed and gratification. According to verse 5, they've been robbed of the truth and think that godliness is a means to financial gain. They use God for something else. 
They are not content with God and what God has given them. They want something else. And they think something else is more valuable. That something else is a financial gain and or popularity. In other words, false godliness is after self-security and self-advancement, using God as a stepping stone. Let me repeat that. False godliness is after all about self-security and self-advancement, using God as a stepping stone. God is not cornerstone, but a stepping stone. Here Paul says in verse 5, that those who thought godliness a means of a gain, means for gain, were partially right. They because there is a great gain in true godliness. Verse 6, Paul said, Godliness with a contentment is a great gain. Here the gain is not financial but spiritual. Paul implicitly separates the financial gain from contentment. So let us not confuse a money with a contentment. Money gives a material comfort and convenience, and material comfort and convenience are not necessarily real contentment. They just give us a brief temporary contentment. Actually, they aggravate our contentment because they addict, you know, they they add they make us addict to material comfort. They're like drugs. Now, true godliness always lead us to contentment. Godliness and contentment are two sides of the same coin. Godliness and contentment are, are inseparable. And godliness increases contentment. The size and substance of my contentment shows my godliness. That is how much I really love and serve God as my master. Let's see what made up Paul's content today. Look at the verse 8. Paul said, if we have a food and clothing, we will be content with that. For Paul, food and clothing are good enough for his contentment. By the way, food and clothing here does not mean exquisite, expensive food and the fancy brand name clothing, but simple food and basic clothing. That's what made Paul grateful and content. Whenever I sense a discontentment or some down uh, heart, I read uh, Paul's final chapter and his last request. Guess what was uh, Paul's last material request? If you look at the Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said, Paul, Timothy, when you come, bring the clock that I left with the coppers at Troas and my scroll, scrolls especially the parchment. What Paul requested at the last, on the last page of his writing was coats and books. You know how many coats I have? I have uh, several coats. I'm covered for all different kinds of uh, winter and uh, coldness and uh, even fashions. What made Paul content only with a basic material substance? Because Paul has God and God's eternal truth. And here we must learn this clearly. In order to nourish our contentment, we must have a godliness and an eternal perspective of a godliness. That's what Paul said earlier in verse 7. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. Here Paul was quoting the famous word of Job, the righteous sufferer. Birth and death provide the bookends of a life which appraise our material wealth. And Paul said, and Job said, Naked I come, came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. When John uh, the Rockefeller died, people asked his aid, personal aid, how much he left behind. And the man wisely answered, John the Rockefeller left it all behind. That is true. When we die, we, we, we leave everything behind. And here, Paul follows up with a famous proverb, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Note clearly that it doesn't say that money is a root of all evil. It does not mean that all evil has a money at its root. Proverb, this proverb simply means that love of money or greed is a trap for rich and poor and everyone in between. To review the verse 9, those who desire to be rich uh, fall into temptation. Here Paul reminds us of the Jesus' solemn warning that we cannot serve two masters. Jesus said we cannot serve God and mammon, the God of uh, material goods. At the same time, we cannot serve God and mammon. We have to choose because uh, one master will hate the other. We cannot have love triangle with a God and mammon. Scottish pastor and writer George MacDonald uh, said it in this way. Which one has who or vice versa? Does a money have you or do you really have a money? He is saying that does money control you or you control money? This pandemic brought many economic upheavals and many people felt depression and delight with their stock performance and the 401k's ups and downs. While some people who bought the Tesla stocks are smiling and some who didn't feel sour, let me tell you this, we have eternal wealth and ever-increasing riches in Christ. Christ became poor so that to, uh, to enrich you and me a rich in God. So do not lose or compromise your God-given contentment and promise with the worldly temporary material gains. What we gained in Christ is far outlasting and outshining, outgrowing than any gains and any investment that world world offered. As a believers of the gospel and children of God, you and I are richer than any billionaire, and we are more powerful than anyone in this world. Our wealth and glory and power will grow, will grow forever. So should be our contentment, dear brothers and sisters. So let us grow in contentment. And through our contentment of a basic material good, let us make other people rich with the love of Christ. Let's pray.
Gracious Heavenly Father, help us remember how much you love us and who we are and how rich we are in light of your goodness and greatness. Help us also echo the great confident testimony of Apostle Paul, who said in Philippians 4 that I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In Christ, Heavenly Father, we want to overcome both poverty and wealth and subject everything in our possession to serve Christ and his glorious kingdom. You are our great God, and you made us a great. Help us to be great in contentment and glorify you with our constant gratitude and obedience. In the name of Jesus Christ, who made us all sinners richer beyond imagination, we pray. Amen.